Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. With the exception of one remaining game, week one of the college football season is in the books. It may not have been the greatest slate in the history of the world, but by golly, it was entertaining this weekend. A heck of a lot of fun as college football is off and rolling. Happy Labor Day. We're glad to be with you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky, you want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Learn more online at ceasefire.com slash business. We started this last year. It's like, how do we get into the Monday show? We're going to talk about Ole Miss. We're going to talk about Mississippi State. We're going to talk about Southern Miss. We're going to talk about all the big games throughout the course of the weekend. But how do we touch on everything? Well, we're going to try to do it as we start things off with the Blitz. Let's go back to Friday night. We'll start with Louisville, 39-34 over Georgia Tech. 28 second quarter quarter points for Tech. They led 28-13 at the half, only to get nearly shut out in the second half. Louisville outscored them 26-6. And, oh, by the way, got a late uh, Georgia Tech got a late backdoor touchdown or backdoor cover with a touchdown with a minute seven left. The uh, onside kick did not work. I'm not hearing you, Borky. Sorry, that was my bad. The improved are the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, though. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Ole Miss will see them in two weeks. Stanford in a late game on Friday night wins 37-24 in the Islands over Hawaii. By the way, Hawaii is going to beat some people after they get past Oregon in two weeks. Georgia 48 to 7 over UT Martin. The Bulldogs sleptwalk for most of the first half, but they still pulled away in that ball game. Michigan 30 to 3 over East Carolina. Guys, I didn't realize that Jim Harbaugh died. What a touching tribute from the Michigan offense when they stepped onto the field for the very first time this season. Hmm. Ohio State. Oh, they were fans of the Four Horsemen. 23 to 3 over Indiana. Ho-hum win for the Buckeyes. Kyle McCord, 239 yards and a touchdown. I don't think we're writing Ohio State off just quite yet, but that was not maybe as impressive as we thought it would be. Alabama, 56-7 over Middle Tennessee. Jalen Milrow reminded us that he can really run, and he throws the deep ball quite well. But what about the intermediate passing game? 
Also, DBs for Alabama, questionable this week coming up against Texas. Southern Cal, 66-14 over Nevada. Caleb Williams had nine uh, has nine touchdown passes through the first two games of the season. Did you see the one where he was on a dead sprint to the sideline? Yep. Somehow threw it back on a dime over a DB's head in the bread basket on the sidelines. He ended up like 15 yards out of bounds. He was running so fast. Unbelievable. Frozen rope from Caleb Williams. He's got special arm talent. Uh, Penn State over West Virginia, 38-15. Drew Aller was pretty darn good in his debut for Penn State. 325 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, how long is Neil Brown going to make it this season? We will uh, we will wait and see. Not much longer. University of Washington, 56-19 to over Boise. There is an argument to be made that Washington was the most impressive, highly ranked team this weekend. Michael Penix Jr. threw for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Texas, pretty ho-hum in their 37-10 win over Rice. It was just 16-3 at the half. Quinn Ewers, three touchdown passes and 260 yards. Tennessee, early in Nashville, 49-13 over Virginia. Tennessee's running game and defense, I thought, stood out more than anything else in that ball game. If they run it as well as they have and they play better defense than they have, look out. Could be a scary Vols team. Little inconsistent still from Joe Milton. Not as good as I was expecting him to see based on all the offensive or off-season hype. Notre Dame fifty-six to three over Tennessee State. Sam Hartman only played the first half. Hey, uh, Sam, don't flip into the end zone in a blowout win. If you do, before long, we'll be uh, talking about a necklace made out of a collarbone that your mother made for you. <laughs> Jeez, protect yourself, kid. Oregon. 81 to 7 over Portland State. Uh, game of the day on Saturday, Colorado 45. That's all you had to TCU. say. That was the only thing you had to say for that game. Ugh. Oh, did you see the 40? duck doing push-ups? Oh, that was funny. What he cuz the duck does push-ups for the point total after every touchdown. <laughs> Got all the way up to 81. That's a lot of push-ups, especially in that costume. Yeah. Uh, Colorado 45-42 over TCU. Shador Sanders, 510 yards through the air and five touchdowns. Dylan Edwards in his college football debut, 135 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Travis Hunter played how many snaps? What? Wow. That was the most fun game of the weekend. Deion post game. Come on, man. But kind of what you expected. North Carolina 31-17 over South Carolina. Drake May was good. How about North Carolina's defense with nine sacks in the game? What up, Gene Chizik? Should have been more if Rattler wasn't an exceptional athlete. I mean, he was running for his life all night. Nine seems low based on how much pressure he was under. South Carolina's offensive line has got some problems. Huge issue. Texas A&M. 52-10 over New Mexico. Connor Wegman, five touchdown passes. Texas A&M as a team threw for only 18 touchdowns a year ago. What up, Bobby Petrino? Uh, Let's go to New Orleans. Tulane, 37-17 over South Alabama. Michael Pratt, 294 yards and four touchdowns. Took a couple of big hits in the game. He is tough. Can Ole Miss pressure him next week? And keep an eye on that. What was it? His left knee. He was hobbling at the end of the game. I assume they're going to shoot him up with uh, some cortisone or whatever to make him feel good, but it didn't look good at the end of that game. Something to keep an eye on. 
Iowa 24-14 over Utah State. Did you hear this note? Iowa had a passing touchdown on their first drive of the season opener for the first time since 1991. I don't mean to do the age thing. I was not alive. Kentucky 44, Ball State 14. Ray Davis had 14 carries for 112 yards and two touchdowns. Picked up where he left off at Vanderbilt a year ago. Devin Leary was okay. Uh, Mike Stoops was not, Mark Stoops, sorry, was not happy following that game. Um, Arkansas 56-13 over Western Carolina. K.J. Jefferson threw for 246 and three touchdowns. Rocket Sanders 15 carries, 42 yards and two TDs. How about this? Last year's two leading rushers in the SEC combined for a total of 102 yards in week one. Of course, talking about Sanders and Judkins for Ole Miss. Auburn, 59-14 over UMass. Thorne was pretty average. Three rushing touchdowns for Robbie Ashford. What's his role going to be? A little better test coming up this week for Auburn as they head out west to take on the Cal Bears. Who looked? uh, It's North Texas, I know, but... They scored a bunch of points, and that quarterback's an athlete, and it's going to be really laid out there. It might get a little funky. Speaking of which, Cal over North Texas, 58-21. to When's the last time Cal scored 58 points in a game? I didn't have the interest in actually looking that up. Uh, here's, what, here's what I wrote about the uh, this next one. Texas State, 42-31 over Baylor. W-T-H, question mark. And now, big, big shocker. Utah is going to Waco next week, and Baylor's without their quarterback for the next three weeks. Ugh. That's right. New Baylor, new Baylor starting quarterback is Sawyer Robertson, the MSU transfer. Oh, how about that? Uh, Houston 17 14 over UTSA. Houston first game as a member of the Big 12. Second most entertaining game of the weekend was in Laramie, Wyoming. They had a long lightning delay. 35-33 Wyoming over Texas Tech in double overtime. Andrew Peasley, the quarterback for Wyoming. That kid is tough as nails. And finally, as we wrap up the Blitz, Arizona 38-3 over Northern Arizona. Of course, the Wildcats will be in Starkville next weekend. Jaden Delara, 285 yards through the air, three touchdowns and one interception those are his numbers. Uh, obviously, Florida State LSU is not in the blitz. We're going to give that game a little bit more time than just 30 seconds. Ceasefire text line is Richard leaving the show. No, 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 not going anywhere. Uh, there are a lot of people that thought that from a, a tweet that I made over the weekend. No, that, not not at all. It was just simply. You did at first. It was like, wait, what the heck's going on here? Yeah. No, it was, it was simply about the old. So with all that network. being said, I God help me respect my decision. No interviews, please. Yeah. I have committed to ESPN. Yeah, uh, pretty good opening weekend of football, right? I mean, there was a super entertaining game in the morning slate. The afternoon was kind of boring. There are a couple of pretty entertaining games in the night window on Saturday, none more so than that uh, that Wyoming-Texas uh, Tech game. I thought crowds were really, really good. I'm not talking specifically. I'm talking about generally across the country. The stadium shots looked fantastic all throughout the course of the weekend. Oh, so nice having college football back. 
Let's dive in. We'll talk uh, Ole Miss Mercer when we come back. We will get into Mississippi State's win against Southeastern Louisiana, Southern Miss's win against Alcorn State, winners and losers. We're going to have some Monday overreactions. We're going to test drive that as a new segment on Mondays. Oh, so good. And we've got one more game coming up tonight. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go in the volcano. Let me say now I don't know. I don't know. All right, Ole Miss had the earlier kickoff this weekend, so let's start our conversation today with the Rebels, uh, Ole Miss and Mercer, season opener on Saturday in Oxford. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. The ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business, ceasefire.com slash business. So before we dive into the numbers and really um, kind of unpack things, Give me a high-level thought uh, about this game. 73-7, to Ole Miss did what they needed to do, what they were supposed to do. What stood out to you? Uh, maybe it shouldn't have stood out because it's what we all expected and we have since April. But for all the public charade that, that Kiffin did with quarterbacks and we're not sure, it was Jackson Dart's team. And now he took the ore off the depth chart today, named him the starter today, but he didn't even try to create an illusion even on Saturday in a game that had, you know, it was never in doubt, even after the first play for Mercer. The game was never in doubt. Everybody knew that. Yeah. Didn't yeah. even bother, like, throwing Sanders in for the third drive just to mess with people. No. He, despite what he said publicly, through spring, summer, and fall, it has been Jackson Dart's football team. And in a throwaway game, he didn't even bother trying to make you think anything other than that. And he performed well. It's Mercer. That caveat needs to belong in all of this conversation. It's just Mercer. But he looked exactly how you would hope that he would look against an opponent like that. And the snap distribution was that of there's no competition there's no anything it is jackson darts football team full stop final done hey dad any thoughts from you i didn't get to see a lot of this game you know most i saw most of the first half i guess um and obviously you know mercer scoring on the first play i'm sure people were looking around so let's give pete golding a lot of credit there for just you know just shaking that completely off and putting together his his unit put together a pretty dominant performance from that play on Lane Kiffin had jokes about that after the game. That was not, really uh, funny. Not, I bet he did. Not, not surprising. Said he he said over the uh, headset, "Hey Pete, we're not we're not paying you this much money to give up seventy five yards on the first play from scrimmage. Think we might can uh, shape that up a little bit." I'm paraphrasing, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure he was too. Yeah, a couple of things. Couple of things that stood out. Jackson Dart started eleven for eleven, and it was not a bunch of swing passes and quick slants. He threw the ball down the field. Looked like he was driving the ball pretty well. Pretty good touch on the deep ball. Um, 334 yards, four touchdowns. He played, what, a two and a half, three quarters in the game. Yeah, He was really in control. The other thing, though, Trey Harris, the Louisiana Tech transfer, making his oldest debut, 
He was targeted nine times. He had six catches for 133 yards and four touchdowns. Three of those touchdowns came in the first three and a half minutes of the game. He added a fourth touchdown later in the ball game and set a single-game touchdown receiving record for Ole Miss. They've been playing football for a long time. Nobody had ever caught four touchdowns in a football game before. Spencer Sanders played and played pretty well. He was 8 of 14 for 134 yards with a couple of touchdown passes. Walker Howard played in the uh, fourth quarter, 3 of 4 for 56 yards, including a 29-yard pass in there. Almost got they got good production from the quarterback room. Talked all, all offseason yeah. about the fact that it's a really deep quarterback room, and they had three quarterbacks that played well in the opportunities that they were given. Um, Quinshot Judkin goes 13 carries for 60 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, they were not loading up on Quinshawn Judkins. Clearly. There's no need to. This is a guy that you want to, you know, you want to pick your spots because there are going to be some games where you really have to ride him and have him carry a big load. Saturday was not one of those days, but I thought you got the first glimpse of what Quinshawn Judkins is going to see a lot, and that is really focusing on limiting his ability to make big runs and big plays. That goes hand-in-hand with the passing game, though, right? Mm -hmm. Teams, for however long, are are going to dare dart to beat them. you got to pick one, and and, uh, again, it's Mercer. Uh, Dart did, especially those... Those like thirty yard back shoulder throws looked really comfortable throwing them, had a lot of confidence in that. And at no point, even against the bad teams a year ago, did he show that. But it's probably very easy as a quarterback uh to throw the football to guys that you know are going to be open and behind an offensive line that you know is not gonna let anybody hit you because it's Mercer. So we'll see if that's actually what he has become versus what he looked like against Mercer. But yeah, I think you got a glimpse of that. I think Tulane's going to do the same thing. They're going to dare dart to beat them. And Georgia Tech's going to dare dart to beat them until he, he does it consistently moving forward. And then they, they have to adjust. But yeah, I, I suspect Tulane to try to make Judkins' day on Saturday really difficult. And if dart beats him, dart beats him. But they're not going to let Quinshawn do it. That would be the smart game plan, for sure. If you're never, never, yeah, that's, yeah, and you should never. Every game plan should be: don't let the best guy beat you. If other guys step up and beat you, that's that's, that's just football. But you know, if you lose because Quinshawn Judkins had you know 17 carries for 184 yards and four touchdowns, well, you, that's probably on you for not having a good enough plan to stop it. Is there a best case scenario for Ole Miss coming up this week against Tulane where Tulane stacks the box early to try and limit Quinshawn Judkins? Jackson Dart is really good throwing the football. Ole Miss has some success. Tulane makes an adjustment to that at halftime, and then Ole Miss just comes back and turns it into the Quinshawn Judkins show in the second half? That is the best case scenario. You just you just outlined yeah, it, that yeah. Dart is Dart, you know, and that that would be great for Dart to have a, a game where he's uh, against a good team on the road, where he's just throwing pills and they're they're catching them and he's getting touchdowns. That'll that can go a long way for him. Suntarian Perkins um, played a lot of snaps, and I think that was by design because you didn't have all of the defensive guys play the same number of snaps that Suntarian Perkins did. They're trying to figure out what they've got here 
and it was a great get-your-feet-wet game for him. Nine total tackles, one sack, had a pass breakup. Uh, he certainly looks the part. There's a whole speed-of-the-game thing, and what are you going to be able to get out of him in big moments thing. Um, I, I think you're just going to learn with him on the field, though, right? It, he has to play. He has to play. And defensively, and a lot of teams did this, some of them didn't have that luxury, though. I mean, even Georgia at first kind of struggled with their FCS opponent. Um, They rotated defensively a lot. What was it, Mm -hmm. four players? I think four players played more than half of the snaps defensively. I think it's only four, maybe even less. But very few guys were were in very often. A lot of young guys played that... um, and so, honestly, do we even know what a Pete Golding defense is, is going to look like yet? I mean, in terms of personnel and even what they do. Because, again, it was Mercer. They they, they could mess around with lineups. And they could have a different pair of linebackers in on every single series. And, and they could play a bunch of young guys on the defensive line and, and try all those combinations because there was no fear whatsoever of losing. Uh, you know, I had... Uh, a friend asked me, you know, should I be concerned about them on defense? And I said, what, they had 93 rushing yards, did Mercer. 75 of those came on one play. I can't answer that question. Uh, on top of the fact that, again, they, there's just so much rotation and all that, I don't even know who they think they're going to depend on. Because they didn't have to depend on anybody on Saturday. Yeah. Um. Special teams pretty good. Caden Costa returns as the uh, the place kicker. Jordan Watkins has a seventy yard punt return. Uh, Ole Miss, what was that? I heard Ole Miss did not had not had a punt return since twenty twenty thirteen. Is it twenty thirteen? Believe it was twenty thirteen. And if if I remember correctly, because they didn't say Jeff, it on the broadcast, Jeff Scott, Jeff, Scott Jeff Scott in Austin against Texas. Yeah. When they said it was Jeff Scott and it was 2013, I was trying to think. I was like, it's got to be that game against Texas. That was when David Kellum had what I think was one of his best all-time calls where he finished it would carry him into the end zone, boys. where Because he had like a convoy of white jerseys leading him. It was almost like a little force field around him as he was returning that one. Um, crowd, look, I wasn't there, obviously. I thought the student section looked great. Early, I mean, nobody was staying for the second half of that game. It looked like the west side was pretty good. The east side was pretty spotty. I, I don't know how many. I, I wasn't there, so I can't do the this is how many people were there. I got some uh, pictures, and for Mercer, I thought it was better than I expected. Yeah. They announced 60,000, what, probably 50 or so thousand at the game. Yeah, what, Something whatever. like that. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's uh, that's Ole Miss, 73-7. to seven. Over Mercer in the uh, in the season opener, a um, bunch of different guys carried the football. A lot of different guys had catches in the game, including Michael Trigg, who had three catches for forty four yards. And, and now that Wolf is hurt, might might should have had a touchdown catch as well. I don't know if he catches that ball if he goes for it with two hands, but just throwing one left hand out there, yeah, I don't know. All right, we'll talk about Mississippi State and Selah when we come back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk 
Mississippi. Tuesday on the island, not much going on. The parties are all over. The end is just passed on. The jungle drums are beating with the tails. That was not the text that I wanted to wake up to on Sunday or Saturday morning. But the great Jimmy Buffett has left us to, uh, hmm. Does that mean we can bring back Buffett Fridays? I, I think that that is, yes. I think, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. Maybe not forever. For a yeah, while. At least kind of, kind of mix it in on, uh, on some Fridays as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. 48 to 7. Mississippi State wins over Southeastern Louisiana after 15 minutes of game action. The score was three to nothing. And perhaps there were some people that were sitting inside Davis Wade Stadium that were going, and then at the half it was uh, 20 to 7. Okay, a little more comfortable. And then the, the second half was a shutout. Mississippi State scored seven in the third, 21 fourth quarter points, ultimately winning the game 48 7. Um, you may have listened to some of Brian Haydad's post-game reaction on the Thunder and Lightning podcast yesterday with these are the things that are true. Did I get it right now? It took me a while. You did. Yeah. That's good. I added and subtracted words for a while. but um, You did. So let, let's do the exact same thing we did with Ole Miss. Before we jump into numbers, give, give me a high-level thought on this game. I saw I saw this in a couple of group texts that I'm in, and it makes a lot of sense. If you flip the halves, nobody's complaining about anything. If it's twenty eight nothing at the end of the first half, and then they get a garbage touchdown there, and it's, it finishes forty eight seven, nobody cares. And and you, you talked about Georgia during the blitz, kind of a similar game for them, right? They were only up seven nothing at the end of the first quarter. At the end of the day, State won by forty plus. They only gave up a smidge over 200 yards. They had 500 yards of offense. They didn't turn the ball over. They had one penalty the entire day. It's a pretty clean performance against an outmatched opponent. You can't complain too much about this one. Hey, there, did you happen to look at the um, the officials list for this game? Oh God, I did not. So, so you, so you didn't My notice. My guy there. You didn't notice what happened. No. Mark Curl's no longer a referee. He was on the well, field. He wasn't a referee last year. He, sure? got, he, he got the demotion last oh, year. Yeah, so he was the like demotion a, I, there was, was a game. It was two years ago. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember noticing like that he was like a center judge or something. Yeah, yeah. That's that exactly what he is yeah. now. So he was on that uh, on that crew in Starkville yesterday. What about you, Borky? Uh, high level thought on on stadium game one. Uh, that. The sluggish start early offensively is is okay, as long as that doesn't happen moving forward, of course. But th- there's a common denominator between the game we just ta- just got done talking about and the game we are talking about now. The units that the fans are concerned about just so happen to be the ones with new coordinators and a new scheme. If a brand new offense with a new coordinator doesn't look perfect right away, that's okay. And I am not saying do a two-quarterback system. 
I'm not saying Will Rogers should lose his job because he should not. But Mike Wright should get 10 to 15 touches a game and not five. That should be, he should have a really defined role in that offense. He's too electric to keep off the field. Will Mike Wright's name surface when we get to big overreactions on a Monday? Just, just curious. Just wondering. Um, so how about this? Mississippi State ran the ball 39 times and they threw the ball 29 times. Plus 10 on the run-to-pass ratio. I believe if you look at the statistics today, the Mississippi State is the number one rushing offense in the SEC. (laughs) What what, what world uh, we live in? Yeah, what world do we live in? Um, Will Rogers, 20 of 29, 227 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked one time. Talk to me about the game that Will Rogers played. I mean, it was a, a, a B game, if ever. I, and not, not in terms of him, him, but in terms of, you know, if you want to grade it. You know, didn't really do anything super spectacular, but made the throws that he had to make. Um, you know, the only thing I would, I would if he was going to address concern, is he didn't really hit any of those big shots down the field. And they took a few of them, but he didn't really hit any of them. So that's something, you know, you, you, you want to see definitely in week two have happen because that's what everybody's waiting for. They're waiting to see him... Uh, you know, show the arm off a little bit and show that he can make those throws. But by and large, it was a very typical Will Rogers kind of day. You know, if, if in an air raid system where he said 39 rushing plays, where, you know, 25 of those become passes, I mean, it would have probably been about the same. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sticking with the running game just for a second. Woody Marks goes 19 carries for 127 yards and two touchdowns. I was not able to sit and like watch every snap of this game, but I had the entire game up and I watched kind of like with one eye almost the entire game. I thought he played well and looked yeah. good running the football. Yeah, I ran the ball hard, was explosive. I had a couple of chunk runs, also caught four passes. Means he's five shy of MSU's all-time record now. Um, just a really solid game for him. His first career, uh, 100-yard game. I thought he was really, really good. Um, and then you know, behind him, I thought that if you said pick the next best back, I thought it was Jeff Pittman, uh, the junior college transfer from Hines. I thought he ran hard. Uh, he had a, a big fourth down run where he was able to make a conversion. Uh, I thought he, I thought he played pretty well. He he would be RB two uh, for me. But Marks looked looked really good. I thought. Marks had four catches for 59 yards. Creed Whitmore, four for 59. Tulu Griffin, four for 33. Justin Robinson, three for 26. Jaden Wally, two for nine. That continues to confuse me. Antonio Harmon had a catch. Uh, Jacoby Belazar had a catch. Jordan Mosley had a catch. And uh, then you had a couple of balls that were thrown the way of Freddie Roberson and uh, Jeffrey Pittman. In the State, you think Billy Napier receivers. could use Creed Whitmore? By the way, you think that he would help that Florida offense? Yeah. State rotated receivers. I mean, it was almost every play they were bringing in, and you know, two or three different receivers, and just taking guys in and out, trying to get everybody uh, reps. Whitmore. I mean, what a great day for him. Thought he might have a chance to be SEC Freshman of the Week, and said it went to another MSU player, the kicker Kyle Ferry. Um, but a hundred all-purpose yards and a couple of scores for, for that young man. 
Um, it looks like he's going to be a big part of what State wants to do this year. Nathaniel Watson, eight tackles to lead Mississippi State. He uh, had one and a half sacks combined on one of those with Jaden Crumity. He was credited with half a sack. Demonte Russell had seven tackles. Jet Johnson, six tackles and a sack in the game. He also forced two fumbles. Um, Mississippi State recovered one fumble in the game. Uh, that was on a kicking play, right? No, they blocked a punt for a, for a, for a touchdown. That's uh, but no, there was a fumble in the game that Buki Watson recovered. Gotcha. Um, what about the defense? Uh, yeah, that that one long drive where Southeastern lead Louisiana hit it third and twenty. They threw a screen pass and guy broke like seven hundred and twenty-two tackles on the way to like a thirty-yard gain and a first down. Um, that did not strike me as very Mississippi State-like defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I was even when the game was close. As I was watching, I was like, I mean, Southeastern Louisiana can't do anything consistently offensively. They can't. They can't sustain three or four drives between now and the end of the game that result in touchdowns that is going to give them actually a chance to win the game. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at that one play. If they make a tackle there, you know, South, uh, that's a shutout win with a team under 200 yards of offense. I mean, you can't do a whole lot more than that. And, and Arnett, you know, talked about that today. I mean, it just missed tackles. Did, didn't get to the football, didn't play the way that they're supposed to play. Other than that, though, you're absolutely correct. They they were they were dominant defensively. Um, they just they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass. State was able to get pressure at times, but for the most part, they just swallowed everything up that Southeast was trying to do. And and it shows on on the on the stat sheet. Uh, Ceasefire text line. I was worried about State starting so slow, but when you watch the Ohio State game, the Southern Cal game, the Georgia game, etc., uh, they all seem to start slow. I mean, there's something to that. Yes, at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of a season, right? I mean, it, it, it just is. Uh, how does Southeastern Louisiana have both the first and second team all-conference quarterbacks? No, I think there's a transfer in there somewhere. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That uh, that makes sense. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Southern Miss, who got a win over Alcorn State, put 40 points on the board in the season opener. To, uh, to get things rolling with their season on Saturday evening in Hattiesburg. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back right after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
We'll start the 4 o'clock hour with winners and losers as we do every week. Would uh, love to hear from you. What do you make of the weekend? Who were the winners? Who were the losers from the first full weekend of the college football season? I can uh, I can fancy a guess about who uh, a couple of the losers will be and maybe even a, a couple of the winners. So we'll have some fun with that in the first couple of segments of the 4 o'clock hour. Let's talk about Southern Miss and their win over Alcorn State, 42-14. At the end of the first quarter, it was 17-7. Southern Miss scored the first 17 points of the game. Touchdown pass from uh, from Billy Wiles made it 7-0. Frank Gore got one on the ground, made it 14-0. They kicked a 25-yard field goal that made it 17-0. Alcorn State got a touchdown late in the first quarter. And then uh, Southern Miss in the second quarter put 10 more points on the board. They had the first score of the third quarter as well and really created some separation, leading 37-7. to Alcorn State, with about nine minutes to go in the ball game, gave up a 15 – or uh, Alcorn State had a 15-yard touchdown run that made it 37-14 and then uh, one more field goal at the end of the ball game. So 40-14 to was the final, and I, I think – that Southern Miss falls into the exact same category that, that Ole Miss and State find themselves in. They're a heavy favorite in their season opener. They needed to go out and play well. And so based on the numbers, you look at it and you're like, yeah, okay, they played it pretty well. They didn't ask Frank Gore to do much. They didn't need Frank Gore to do much. They're going to need a lot from Frank Gore throughout the course of the season. So the the Memphis transfer, Rodriguez-Clark, goes for nine carries and 54 yards. Frank Gore, three carries. Starville native. 29 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. That is that is a Memphis transfer, right? Wasn't he at Memphis and transferred? He, is, he, he was okay. at Memphis, yeah. yeah. Starville High School and then to Memphis. And so a bunch of different guys carried the ball for uh, for Southern Miss. They had 145 yards rushing on the ground, averaged a little less than four yards per carry, and, of course, sack yardage figures in. Billy Wiles, in his starting debut for Southern Miss, 21 of 28. That's 75%. 267 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, was sacked a couple of times. That's a pretty good opening performance from Billy Wiles. Holman Edwards played also. He was 3 of 3 for 29 yards in the uh, the time that he played. Thoughts? I mean, you hit it right there. The, the the stat line for Billy Wiles is what all USM fans should be looking at and being pretty happy about. That is mm-hmm. really good numbers, completing what that do the math there. Three out of four, so that's seventy five percent of his passes. Three touchdowns. Said, you know, he doesn't you can have, pretend like that was your own math. I don't like. I, I tune math out. I, I, got these I, big I, headphones I, I, around I, I, your I, I, ears, I, 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 like you can't not hear it. So anyway, now they're on top uh, of his head. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just a great that's just a great stat line. And then, like you said, to not have to rely on Frank Gore to let him have basically a day of rest. He got a score. You see what you got with Rodriguez, Rodriguez Clark, Dreek Clark is what they called him here in Starkville. Uh, just a I think he'll be a quality backup for you there. So, if you're a USM fan, there's a lot there's a lot of positives from this game. Yeah, you guys are going to have to remind me. Did did we talk with? Um... With Luke throughout the the off season about Jacarius Caston, do you, do you remember that name popping up? He, Not he much. Was, a re- was a receiver that had five Not catches much, yeah. for 104 yards and a touchdown, and that's a really good stat line. And my first thought is, hmm, I wonder if that's the answer for replacing Brownlee. 
I, I don't know. We probably got to see more than, than we saw on Saturday, too. He had, he had a solid year a season ago. So, you know, I mean, 31 catches, 446 yards, five touchdowns. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll learn more about this team in two weeks. It, you know, yeah. the same thing applies. It's southeastern Louisiana, right? There, there's only so much you can take away from a game against southeastern Louisiana. It's Mercer. There's really not much you can take away from Mercer. You. Southern Miss beat Alcorn the way they are supposed to. Good thing. Check mark. Positive direction. Arizona is going to be a challenge for Mississippi State. That that's not. They're not just. State's not just going to roll over Arizona forty nine to nothing. That they're they're going to present a challenge. Tulane's going to be challenging for Ole Miss. To judge Southern Miss after this coming Saturday would be completely and totally unfair. We'll, we'll learn about them after Tulane comes to town two weeks from uh, this last Saturday. It's uh, just go to Tallahassee and try to draw some positives, but that's a possible national championship contender that they're up against this weekend. So we got to wait two weeks to get a good gauge on Southern Miss, I think. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. But all the boxes that needed to be checked in week one were checked. Tomorrow we will let you hear from uh, from all three head coaches. Uh, they obviously have done press stuff today. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, and we don't have time. We don't have time for the press conference nonsense today. So tomorrow you'll hear from Lane Kiffin. Tomorrow you'll hear from Zach Arnett, and you'll hear from uh, Will Hall tomorrow as well. As uh, the, I mean, price of poker goes up for all three this week with Ole Miss traveling to Tulane and with Southern Miss uh, traveling to Tallahassee. Have mercy. Um, yeah, that's a tough assignment. And, of course, Mississippi State hosting Arizona. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. One hour in the books. Let's do some winners and losers when we come back. Okay. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Start yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back on this Monday afternoon, Labor Day. If you've got the day off, hope you are enjoying it with uh, some friends, some family. Uh, guys, I, I actually followed through on what I said I was going to do for Food Friday um, th- this huh. morning. Uh, got up, had some uh, had some nice help from sous chef Obi and uh, sous chef Francis. They uh, both wanted to be uh, a part of the proceedings, but uh, it was my mother-in-law's birthday uh, today. So happy birthday, Shirley. And uh, they came over, and Jane's brother and his family came over. We did eggs, bacon, Polk's Cajun smoked sausage, grits, a big fruit bowl, buttermilk pancakes, and blueberry pancakes. Had a spread for breakfast this morning. That's awesome. Yeah. My kid uh, wanted to help me cook yesterday, too. That's weird. Did you let her, or did you, like, shoo her off? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I was like, come on. Very cool. Very cool. We sat and... Ate, we cooked fried chicken and listened to Taylor Swift. It was a great day. That's her favorite artist. Hmm. I believe it. There are a lot of people that, that yeah. really like Taylor Swift. Um, a lot of girls. Yeah. Uh, it was funny, though, that like as soon as Frances realized that Obi was helping, she immediately wanted to help. 
There you go. A little jealousy. That, that, That'll that's work. how it goes. And then, and then it's like they're going to fight over who gets to crack an egg or who gets to stir the batter. Or, you know, it's like, what there are you going to do? Well, well, yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses. Uh, you can play them both, the Oaks, the Azaleas. Just go online to dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time today. C Spire text line is open, introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. It's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Let's get to some winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we kind of kind of separate them out. Borky, lead us off of the winner. Uh, the obvious one, the the surprise of the weekend. Maybe it shouldn't have been. Coach Prime, Shador Sanders, the Colorado Buffaloes going to TCU and, and winning that game. And, and people are are already doing the well. TCU's not that good, and you know maybe they're not. There's a chance that they lose a bunch of games this year. What was it, eight one-score wins last year? A regression back to the mean is probably coming for TCU. That was a 1-11 Colorado team last year. The college football expert Todd Luganbill called Colorado the worst roster in college football just last week. Didn't age particularly well. But freezing cold takes exposed. There, there was so much talk about you can't turn a roster over this much. They're not going to play together. All this, all that. Oh, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be awful. And yet, they looked so prepared to play. And you know, we talked about teams not a hundred percent looking locked in from the jump against lesser opponents, and it's easier to get up for TCU. I get it. But for all this stuff about how it's going to be a disaster and Coach Prime doesn't know what he's doing and it's going to be, it's a charade and all this, they were prepared and they were ready to play. And that 1-11 team from last year went on the road to last year's runner-up, with the caveat being what it is, and won a football game where Shador threw for over 500 yards, broke a Colorado record. And a lot of people don't like the antics and stuff, and, and we can talk about that, sure. But he won 23 games in two years at Jackson State. And too many people just chalk that up to, all his players are better. He very clearly can hire a staff. Kind of the point. I mean, does anybody say, oh, well, Nick Saban's players are better, so he's not that good of a coach? Does anybody say that? No. So talent acquisition is part of the job, but you don't win 23 games in two years at Jackson State unless you can also coach. He can hire staff. He can clearly motivate and maybe, just maybe, there's real substance behind the flash. At what point in Deion Sanders' life did he fail at something? What has he failed? A supreme athlete in multiple sports, 23 games in two years at Jackson State. Maybe he's just good at this. And too many people are trying to, even after the winner, trying to discredit what he did. That was really impressive. It was. Great hire at the offense coordinator as well. Man, they, they that is a fun offense. Yeah, the Kent State head coach, now the offensive coordinator at um, 
at uh, Colorado. Hey, give me a winner. Well, first off, I think all of our listeners are winners. They're there thanking us for, for being live today. Who wouldn't be live the day after the first weekend of college football? What kind of like, sorry excuse for a sports talk show would do that? I can't imagine. Nobody did that. Uh, anyway, uh, I think you I, know I started, more than I know. I, I don't necessarily keep up with what anybody else is doing, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're not just talking. So, yeah, we're, we uh, this is an important day to be on the radio, and, and thank you for recognizing that. So I said I've been saying all year long, like since March, that Florida State was going to beat LSU in that in that season opener. Now, what I saw from LSU doesn't make me feel too great about my other prediction about LSU about how I think they're going to win there in the next 11. But Florida State. You, is you a, got the first leg of a 12-game parlay correct. <laughs> I got it right. Let's see how the other 11 you go. You can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first. But That's, Buddy, I, 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 I eagled the first. I, I, was, I was on top of that one. Um, but they were really impressive. Uh, Jordan Travis, and I sent you guys a text about middle of the second quarter, third quarter. I was just like, I am really glad that Keon Coleman did not end up at Ole Miss because what a stud receiver that guy is. Have no, and he's from Louisiana. How did he get away from LSU twice? Um, just they passed. Yeah. They passed up yeah. on him twice. Yeah. So, but that Florida State team, you know, it seems like this time a year ago. We were already conceding that Deion Sanders would be the next head coach at Florida State. That Michael Norvell it wasn't going to work, and they would they would make the change there. Give Norvell a lot of credit. You know he he has done it his way. He's built that program up. As much as we like to to hype up Lane Kiffin in the portal, has anybody really done better in the portal than than Mike Norvell? That team is loaded with transfers, and they are studs. That's a good team. I think they're going to win the ACC this year. I know it's a little early for my overreactions, but I don't know that that is an overreaction, saying that they, they may be the team to beat in that conference. Um, off the radar, off the radar winner for you, Carson York. He is the long snapper for the Wyoming Cowboys. And after a snapping on a punt, he's running down the field, and he gets kind of knocked off his feet, and he catches his balance and then kind of somersaults, and he comes down on that turf on his arm. And it appears from the way that he is carrying it as if he has broken his arm, which is a bit of an occupational hazard for a long snapper. So that game, Wyoming and Texas Tech on Saturday night, goes into overtime. Andrew Peasy was... Not a great thrower of the football, but his ability to make plays with his legs and then the the throw that he stepped up with that blitz bearing down on him in the second overtime and just delivered a strike to his tight end who got into the end zone for a touchdown, it was incredible. So, Wyoming gets the ball first in overtime. They score a touchdown. You're going to kick an extra point in the first overtime. Long snapper Carson York comes back in. I don't know if his arm was broken, but it didn't look like he could feel it. He delivers a perfect snap back for the extra point to make it, you know, Wyoming up seven, and then Texas Tech responds, and they go to the second overtime. And anyway, uh, Wyoming ultimately wins it. That was – the pictures for that game were so pretty on Saturday night. All that yellow in the stands just yeah. popped. And everything else is over. I mean, the only other game you got going at that point is – is UCLA, and their game's not very interesting, and the Rose Bowl, 
I mean, as pretty a stadium as it is, there's like nobody there. And you flip over and you've got on, on on CBS this game that should have been over three hours earlier because of the weather, but it, they're still playing. Man, that was spectacular. So Wyoming and their long snapper, a winner on Saturday. Uh, we'll go snake draft. Hey, now back to you. I'll go with Kyle Ferry, uh, Mississippi State freshman kicker, uh, named SEC co-freshman of the week this week. I mean, Mississippi State special teams, you, you guys know that I've, I've I've talked a lot over the last couple of years, and it's just been a crap, a crapshoot most times, but they were really solid. He hit from 47 and from 49 to end the first half. Mississippi State may have gone and found themselves a real kicker, and he's only a true freshman, so it might be a worry you can scratch off the board for the next couple of years. Forky, you got one more? Uh, yeah, quickly, North Carolina, flat-out dominant uh, over South Carolina. People are forgetting. Uh, I mean, they've recruited well, and I know Longo left and all that, but Drake May is, is special. With the exception of two weird interceptions, that game could have really gotten out of hand, but up front on the defensive line, dominant. Don't sleep on them in the ACC. I don't think they're going to win it, but they can contend for it. All right. We'll, uh, we'll go to losers when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio, live on this Monday. Hey, guys. What's happening? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Full disclosure, I have not opened the file and taken a look at the winners from our Polk's Pick 6 on Monday. Will's got to send that to me, then I'll sort through it, and we'll figure out. Who. I, I'll be really fascinated to see if anybody went 6-0 and um, last week, because that means not only did you get Ole Miss State and Southern Miss right, and those were just kind of layups. We just kind of gave you those. That means you picked South Carolina, North Carolina correctly. That means you picked LSU Florida State correctly. And it means that you picked Colorado in an upset over TCU. And if you picked Colorado. Well, five and up, one. Yeah, well, yes. But if you picked Colorado in uh, an upset over TCU, did you also have North Carolina and Florida State? Yeah. So let's turn to some losers. And I hate to do this. I I really do. But loser, the SEC. The SEC played three big, important football games this weekend and lost all three of them. I mean, I guess you could argue if you wanted to. I probably wouldn't, I, I probably wouldn't take you seriously. You could argue that Tennessee Virginia was a big, important football game also. It was a game against another Power 5 school. But on Thursday night, Utah embarrassed Florida 24-11. And they did that with a third-string true freshman quarterback. On Saturday night in Charlotte, I mean... Eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. North Carolina, South Carolina was over. And North Carolina had a comfortable two-score win over South Carolina, 31-17. 
And then Florida State last night, I mean, you go to Brian Kelly's post-game quotes and he says, this is a total failure from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint that we have to obviously address and we have to own. I know adversity is always going to strike at some point in this game, and this is our first real piece of adversity. I'm glad you've only played 60 minutes that we have to address. I'm confident (laughs) our guys and our coaches will rally in the manner that they need to. I mean, the head coach, after playing a top-10 preseason opponent, stood at the podium, sat at the podium last night, and said, this is a total failure. Now, look, I mean, all the SEC teams that had games that they were supposed to win big, they won big. Alabama blew out Middle Tennessee. Vandy blew out A&M, Alabama A&M. A&M blew out New Mexico. Auburn did the same thing. State did the same thing. Georgia did the same thing. Ole Miss did. Arkansas did. Missouri, eh, kind of, 35-10 to 10 in their win Thursday night. Kentucky's got a lot to work on. They still won by 30. But the three marquee games involving SEC teams, one went to the Pac-12 and the other two went to the ACC. What does that mean? Maybe nothing. Might not mean anything. Or it might mean something. It really might mean something if Alabama and Georgia had lost, like had been playing those marquee games and they had lost. Clearly they didn't. Well, Alabama's got one this weekend. so They got we might one this find weekend. Out. Texas rolling into T-Town this weekend. Georgia simply won't be tested in the non-conference. They just they just won't. Uh, hey, Ed, you got a loser? Yeah, uh, I feel like we got to talk a little bit more in detail about Florida, and we and we did some of that on on Friday's show, obviously. But what was that? I mean, somebody's got to come up with thirty on Friday. Wow. <laughs> That's that's a show that, that that's gonna be tough to recreate. Um, that they're gonna have to come up with thirty one point nine million dollars, and I, I get we get to have the money discussion that we have every year, where I tell you that you know somebody's gonna have to find that money, and I've yet to hear about an SEC football coach getting fired because they couldn't find the money to buy him out. They'll find the money, but I, I just don't understand where their wins are gonna come from on their schedule. I mean Utah. They have to play Florida State in the non-conference. So I mean, you, you're probably two and two in the non-conference play. You got to play Georgia. You got to play LSU. Um, you you got to play, you know, uh, Tennessee. I mean, that's that that, that I'm, I'm six and six now. I mean, that's six and six, and that's assuming you know you got to go to Kentucky. Think they go to Missouri this year? This is potential disaster season for the Florida Gators. And, you know, Napier's a guy that we connected to a lot of jobs through the years, and we thought he's waiting for the right one, he's waiting for the right run, he gets floored, okay, he got the right one. Maybe it wasn't the right one. That's a really, really – it's not a good football team. There's just no getting around that. Yeah. I mean, they got to do a lot of getting better in a hurry. I mean, if you believe in Florida at all. Now, they get McNeese next week. In week three, they host Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, they play Charlotte, and then they okay. go to Kentucky. So two and two, then they go to Kentucky. How big is that game? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, Kentucky should be four and zero. They should be four and zero playing playing that game. They host Vanderbilt, lost to them last year. 
Hmm? Got to go to South Carolina. They get a week before they have to play Georgia in Jacksonville. They get Arkansas at home. Got to go to LSU. Got to go to Missouri. And, then get, oof. and there's a secondary question that goes with that, Michael Borky. If Billy Napier is fired, does that mean Florida's getting a new athletics director also? Mm-hmm. Can't let him hire a third coach. Can't do it. You can't. It would be their sixth coaching search since 2005. That job is hard. Now, granted, they had one guy in there that won a couple of national titles, but, you know. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, loser, Borky. Loser. Uh, pre-game coach interviews and post-game coach interviews. Here is Brian Kelly on Thursday. I will say that there are still some areas that, that need to be improved. Um, we're going to take 15 freshmen on this trip um, and 14 transfers, so... Uh, nearly 40% of this travel roster uh, are going to go overnight for the first time <laughs> with LSU. So, um, and, and that's not a disclaimer of, of any kind. We're going to go beat the heck out of Florida State. But, uh, uh whoops. That but. didn't age well. Um, and then Shane Beamer post game. I, I thought. Uh, this was really lame uh, to me, and, and he's a guy that coaches with a lot of emotion. The highs are uh, sometimes almost too high. You, you wonder if maybe there's too much of that with his coaching style. The highs are really high, and the lows, after getting completely and totally dominated at the line of scrimmage for four quarters by North Carolina, he had an issue with the clock, the statisticians, and the meal choice of the chain gang at halftime. Listen to this. Not not good enough. And then we got him. Uh, do we have any stats? Anybody? It's kind of the story of the night. Clock was wrong. The whole damn game. We're trying to kick an onside kick to start the second half, and we got to wait on the chain crew because they're eating a hot dog. That's the only disappointing thing about tonight. So um, I don't know what if things came out to be statistically, but um, uh, not come on, man. <laughs> you, you got whooped, buddy. The cha- and by the way, they got the onside kick and then did nothing with it. Well, like quickly uh, turned the football over on downs right back to North Carolina and got smoked. But come on, man. Oh, the clock's not working. We can't get any stats. The chain game's eating hot dogs. And your offensive line apparently spent the offseason eating too many hot dogs, brother, uh, because you guys stink. Yeah, a little Hulk Hogan in your voice there, brother. It's ridiculous. I, I can't stand that stuff. Put. Put South Carolina on the losers list too, because they are staring down the barrel of a one and four start to this season. You know they're not going to beat Georgia or Tennessee. That Mississippi State game, which was big before Saturday night, is—I mean, their whole season is wrapped up in that game now. Uh, ceasefire text line winner Mac Brown on his one hundredth win at a second school. That's over two tenures at uh, at North Carolina. So 100 wins at North Carolina and 100 wins plus at, uh, at Texas. Dwayne and Brandon Loser, of course, LSU. Being from Louisiana, it stinks. Winner, Mississippi State. Winning without Mike Leach, the Pirate. Um, I don't know that this is necessarily winners or losers, but I think it was a, a spinoff of what we were talking about with, with Colorado and Deion Sanders. If Deion would just try to be more professional instead of in your face in his pressers, there are many that still won't take him seriously because of that. Dude is for real, though. That's from Tony and Clara. 
I understand that completely, but that's him. I mean, that, that that's him. And what I'm starting to learn is that players love it. I, I promise you, his locker room, people didn't like the, I've got receipts, I saw what you wrote about us this week, do you believe now? Oh, you don't, I'm not answering the question. A lot of people didn't like all that. His locker room liked it. Yeah. Loved it. Mike in Oxford says, I've never considered Haydad a science guy, but he's a winner for his recent interest in exploring black oh, holes. Oh, why don't do don't. Sports Talk Mississippi. Autocorrect is a winner. In the Pearl Autocorrect River Resort studio, we will take a time out and be back with you right after this. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Think about this, hey Dad. We get a text that said Did, wasn't expecting the team to run out with the traditional skull and crossbones flag Saturday. After seeing that, the wife and I believe that the team should come out with that and remain at the sideline every game. He said, at least for us, it was emotionally stirring. Yeah, and the whole all of the Leach stuff was was pretty well done. I thought I, it was it was tough seeing Miss Leach out on the field. You could tell she is still very very emotional about the loss of her husband, as she should be. Um, but that being said, I, I don't know. I don't know if they if they if they want to do a permanent kind of, of thing like that. Uh, you know, I I, I I had an inkling that they would bring the, the pirate flag out for this first game. But as far as every game goes, I don't know because you know this this team they, they want to probably put that behind them at some point. I think there will be some sort of permanent tribute to Mike Leach at Davis Wade Stadium, but I don't know if that's what it's going to be. I like when the teams run out with flags. Yeah, I, I love seeing a team that comes out with an American flag. I love that for the last few years we've been able to have teams run out with the state flag onto the field. I don't know if I see any issue yeah. with them going with, was it just Jolly Roger that they came out with? It was a maroon and white one, but yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I don't know. I, I got, I got hmm. no issue with uh, with those at all. Um, do you think Florida follows what Florida State did and they give Billy Napier some time? It worked out for Florida State. They were ready to fire Mike, and they stuck with him. It's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's tough for Florida to swallow six and six. I mean, what if he goes four and eight? Yeah. It, you know, and the 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 retort's going to be, well, it's Florida. Of course they can get whoever they want, but, but can they? If you go 2-2 with Napier after Mullen was good, and say what you will about his recruiting, what was it, three consecutive access bowls, one down near fired. McElwain got weird, fired him. The only, I After mean, two it, East championships. In my lifetime, Florida won when two of... Uh, the so greatest college football and seven, coaches six and seven in his last two years at Florida. Is that Who? right? Mullen? Who? No. Mullen oh, was. I'm sorry, eight I'm sorry. I'm lo- no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was looking at Florida State's 
I, I was okay. looking at the, the pre-Mike Norvell Florida State. I'm, I'm sorry. Borky, I interrupted your train of thought. That just threw me, and I was, I was thinking about two different things at the same time. My apologies. Yeah, Mullen uh, went to the Cotton Bowl uh, and then went 5-6, and six and they fired him before the season was over. Uh, so 8-4, and 5-6, and six, gone. Uh, his third the Darth con- Vader mass didn't help him. It didn't, but the third consecutive Access Bowl, and, and he was gone. Florida wins because they've had two coaches that can win anywhere. Absent that, what is Florida football? And it's not fair because Urban Meyer wore the Gator and Steve Spurrier did too. And they won a lot of football games, and that's great. But what have they done absent that? I mean, what message are you sending? Somebody I saw brought up Dan Lanning. If you're Dan Lanning at Oregon with your contract and all the resources and you're a good team and you see Napier get fired after two years, are you really taking that job? No. I mean, unless I, you just go head to head with Kirby. I mean, do, do you hate living in the Pacific Northwest? If so, maybe. But my guess you're about is to be in the Big Ten. Good life yeah. in Eugene, probably making yeah. a lot of money, and he's winning a lot of football games. And Nick Saban's not going to be here forever. Uh, th- that that's the the issue that Florida's got to deal with. On top of getting the money, it's what are you telling everybody else that your job is? Because it appears that great coaches fail there. And they have an impossibly short leash. Because it didn't look good against Utah. But you know the reputation that Billy Napier has in the coaching community. It's a strong one. It is. really is. You know the other thing? And, and this, is, this has happened through recruiting. And yet Florida State, they, they deserve some credit. for So they went 3-6 and six in 2020. I mean, the Mike Norvell era got off to a really bumpy start. Also, well, Jacksonville some, State. Yeah, but but he had some players that were kind of trying to get him, and they, you know, were saying that he lied to them and what he said, and it just it wasn't smooth out of the out of the gate. And then in 2021, they went five and seven, and that's when Florida State fans were like, "It's over." But they stuck with him through that year, and la- now had last year not gone well? Had they gone five and seven, or six and six, or maybe even seven and five last year? It would have been a different story. But they didn't do that. Last year they went ten and three, and they capped it off with a uh, with a win over Oklahoma in the Cheez It Bowl. And now they are preseason top ten. But I guess the point I was making in all of that, in the whole doing it through recruiting thing, Florida State's NIL situation is. Very, very organized. They've been very active in that. Florida State has a roster that looks like Florida State in your mind's eye. So so think late 90s, early 2000s Florida State. You remember what they looked like when they were super fast and they were super big and they were dominant at the line of scrimmage to go along with good quarterback play? That's what they look like right now. I mean, their wide receiver room, good grief. Um, with Johnny Wilson, he's a big old boy, even though he had a couple of drops early. And now Keon Coleman, those are big, fast, physical wide receivers. They look pretty good in the running game. They were far more physical. I mean, they... they before, and they look great on the defensive line, too. There, there were three possessions in a row in the early fourth quarter where LSU clearly quit. They beat LSU into quitting in that game. 
more physical, yeah. more athletic. Uh, and I had, or I saw the conversation, I guess, about you know this means LSU's bad, and and I don't think that's my takeaway either. I think last night was more about Florida State than it was LSU. Now, I don't think LSU's a, a national championship. Can I, I, I think we learned that last night. I didn't see a national champion in LSU the way some people did going into the season. But if you think that now your L turns into a W because of what you saw last night, I, I think that's kind of a fool's errand. Let me ask you this about LSU. What did you see last night from them that you thought was good? What did you see from them that you thought was bad but correctable? And what did you see from LSU last night where you go, hmm, that's a problem? Bad but correctable, the use of Harold Perkins for sure. Man, that's I was the first thing that stands out. It, it, so did they just go in a, in a room like as a coaching staff during the offseason and said, Let's prove to everybody that we are the smartest guys in the room. What can we do? Let's put Harold Perkins at inside linebacker. We had maybe the most disruptive freshman defensive player. Not maybe. We had the most disruptive freshman defensive player in all of college football, and he was best when he was going and getting the quarterback. So what should we do? Let's make him a more complete player. Let's play him at middle linebacker, instead of putting it, well, they're going to move him all over the place and use him in a bunch of different ways. you got a dude that can go get the quarterback, put him in a spot where he can go get the quarterback. Period. And I, they didn't really do that. And they spied him, five mostly. five tackles. Five. I'm, I'm not a body language expert, either. He didn't have very good body language last night. He looked like he frustrated. was frustrated and uncomfortable and not in it at a point. I know we kind of glossed over it when we when it happened early in camp. We were like, ah, everybody fights in camp. I was thinking about that earlier today. They had to throw two players out of practice that are preseason All-Americans. Yeah, everybody fights in camp, but not like that. Now, I, I, I don't want to go back and... You know, re-adjudicate that and turn it into a bigger issue than than not. But when you combine that with what Borky just said a second ago, and and look, I know the 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 meaningless touchdown at the end makes the final score look a little bit different. I actually caught part of LSU's post game show last night, and I heard Doug Morrow say, "Well, forty five twenty four looks a whole lot better than forty five seventeen, and he's right. Forty five twenty four looks better than forty five seventeen, but that game was forty five seventeen. Yeah. They hit a 75-yard touchdown pass, and Florida State looked kind of indifferent in chasing on that one with a minute 15 to play. LSU got boat raced last night. And to go back to what Borky said a second ago, at that point they had been shut out 31 nothing in the second half, and they looked like they quit. Especially on the defensive side. That's not really something you want to be addressing in the first game of the year. Now, they're probably going to beat Grambling by 100 this week. But then they come to Starkville, and then they play Arkansas, and then they play Ole Miss. So. Yeah. Hey, one last winner real quick. Zach Arnett today dropping a uh, Jerry Reed reference in his press conference. Golden.
What was the reference? Said we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Well, he's uh, he's right. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. We don't have updated polls yet. Those will come out tomorrow since there's still a game tonight. Got uh, Duke and Clemson coming up from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. No, I thought it was at Duke. Nope. No, it's in Atlanta. Atlanta. That's lame. Yeah, it's the second of the Chick-fil-A kickoff games. They played one on Thursday and one (sighs) on Monday night. Dumb. Uh, So, Uh, ESPN says Wallace Wade Stadium... Durham, North Carolina. Games in Atlanta. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive. Am I? Am I wrong about that? Hold on a second. Yes, I am. Do what? It's, it says on Clemson's website, Monday, September fourth, Durham, North Carolina. Why do I say uh, CBS says what? Well, this is Wallace Wade. Yeah. I, I thought it was dude. in Atlanta, too, though. Why, why do I question myself when I know I'm right? I don't know, Borky. And I don't know why I thought the other way. Yeah, it is at Duke tonight. Okay. I was convinced that that was part of a weekend doubleheader. At, yeah. Uh, yeah it's not. No, you weren't alone. I, I thought the same. All right. So the question that I was going to ask, after one week, who are the teams that have a chance to win it all this year, based on what you saw this weekend? Let's just walk through them. Georgia? Yes. Give me a yes or a yes. Yeah. Michigan still? Yes. Yeah. Ohio State? Yeah. It was a new quarterback's first start. They were dominant defensively. Need to let them sling it around a little bit more, though. You're, you're too good at wide receiver to be as conservative hold on, hold on. as they were. Let's do this differently. Let's do this differently. Who has a chance to be in the playoff, not win at all? Okay. Chance to be one yes. of four teams in the playoff. So Georgia, yes. Michigan, yes. Ohio State. Yeah. I don't think they're a playoff team, but they certainly have a chance. Yeah. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yes. LSU. Nope. They got a lot of issues, but I would say, yeah, they have a chance, but they got stuff to fix. Hey, Dad, they have to win their next 12 football games. Yeah. That's what I have. They don't have to win 12. They could, they could be, they could be a two loss team. They could possibly get in. I, mean, right, I got to so, see how the rest right, of the season. Oh, plays, so, so you're saying that team that got skull dragged last night by Florida State mm-hmm. is going to win its remaining 11 games. And the SEC championship game. 
No, I'm saying that they could lose the SEC championship game and possibly still be in at 11-2. and Hmm. So they're going to have a, a loss to Florida State and a loss to Georgia, and they mm-hmm. beat everybody in between, and that's good enough. <clears throat> Well, that's what I have predicted, so I'm going to stick with it for right now until I see different. I don't think LSU is a playoff team. I don't either. Southern Cal. Yeah. By default, yes, I don't think they're making it. I, I, I agree with that. They won't, but they, they could make it. Yeah. 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 Penn State. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. They looked good. Florida State. Sharp. Oh, yeah. Yes. Title contender. Clemson. Yeah. I haven't seen them yet, but... I'll assume, yes. Okay. Well, we'll just put Clemson on hold. Interesting test tonight. The Washington Huskies. Yes. Really good. I mean, really I, looked good. I think Pac-12 it was the most impressive performance of the entire weekend. Pac-12 is really good. And, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to discount what Colorado did against TCU. Colorado didn't play a lick of defense. I mean, they got one stop late, which they had to have, so credit to them for that. Well, Washington was down. What about Texas? Got to see more. Wasn't exactly Got impressed. Got to see a lot more. Okay. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah. Tennessee. No. No. Ooh. Ooh. I, I would say yes. So. I don't think they can win the. I don't think they can win the East. Isn't Virginia a touchdown underdog to James Madison this weekend? Probably. We'll, so. we'll get to lines I mean, tomorrow. Virginia's but. terrible, but but. The reason I say yes for Tennessee is because of what I saw, and that was the defense and the running game. I think Milton's going to be fine, and I think they got studs at wide receiver. I would use Haydad's logic and say, okay, a one-loss Tennessee team could be a playoff team. But you think they're losing to Alabama and Georgia and not getting to the SEC title game? I think so. Okay. Cor- correct. Notre Dame. Yes. Utah. Yeah. But, I mean, to, to me, to win that easily and not have your starting quarterback, you got to say yes. The Pac-12's got four or five teams that have a legitimate chance, truly. Oregon. Absolutely. That's what Kansas, State, I, Kansas State, I have no idea. I can't. I can't. No, I can't tell you. TCU, no. No. Oregon State. I got no idea. Wisconsin, I got no idea. They look good. What about Oklahoma? No, I'm not buying that. No, not buying it yet. North Carolina? Yeah. That's a, that's the darkest of dark horses right there. Ole Miss? Don't no. know yet, but not likely. Texas A&M, I, I Tulane, Iowa. That's your top 25. Sports talk. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports talk, Mississippi. Sports talk, Mississippi. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon, Labor Day. Thanks for being with us on the 4th of September alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. 
Check out PearlRiverResort.com and check out everything that is happening there. Live music, poker tournaments that are uh, just coming up. I think in October they've got their next Millie in Philly event. Uh, live gaming, great food, and, of course, golf at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Learn about all of that online at PearlRiverResort.com. You can be part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. Let's uh, jump into the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer today or tomorrow. Check out the great deals that they've got on new Ford vehicles. Uh... Quickly, quickly here. What did you think about the uh, the new opening of College Game Day with, um, what was it, Laney Wilson and Darius Rucker? Horrible. And the, the Cadillac whatever band? It was not good. Did they you made... watch it, Hey Dad? No, I was watching soccer. Oh, of course you were. Commie. Um, yeah, just they took the soul out of the song. It, it, it was a... Good in theory, bad in execution. Yeah. Okay. We are talking about taking the soul out of a song that was created for a corporatized college football. But they show. did it right. That's that's rough. They did that, it that's right. What, that's what I'm saying. How little soul is there in this version? I need to. I guess I need to hear it. It's it's just empty. That's all. It feels like a mayonnaise is spicy kind of song. Yeah. Yeah. Same song with different people uh, singing in. It's a little more. La 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 than it was with Big and Rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yes, okay. that, that's that's how I described it as a little more la la la. Uh, all right, let's do this. So let's let's about, we, we've talked a lot about LSU Florida State, so we can start there and then work through the uh, games involving SEC teams. So the question is, did you learn anything? Did you learn nothing? Or is there a wait and see? And for a lot of these games, there's going to be a, uh, some wait and see. So what do you say we walk through it? Georgia forty-eight to seven over UT Martin. Did you learn anything about Georgia on Saturday? No, no, no. Carson Beck was fine. Yeah, and He's you fine. know, new coordinator. My Heisman pick probably not going to happen. No, no, it doesn't seem like it. How about Kincaid Dent, though? A stat line that a lot of quarterbacks in the country would take against that Georgia defense, and he did it with the UT Martin roster. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alabama 56-7 to over Middle Tennessee. Did you learn anything? Uh, Milrow looks good. You know, that, that's probably going to end up being his job, and, and just they'll go from there. I am I'm interested to see him against a good secondary. Right? When 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 he doesn't necessarily have guys running free, the, the playmaking ability is there. But if he's facing a, a really good defense that has the ability to, to at least somewhat contain him, and he's gotta spend a little bit more time in the pocket and work through progressions. 
and not just let it fly to a deep man or dump it to a back out of the backfield. I, I, I want to know what the intermediate passing game looks like. But from a talent standpoint, it's it's off the charts. And congratulations to him, right? I mean, they brought in a guy to win the job. They brought Tyler Buckner in to be their starting quarterback. And Ty Simpson's a former five-star guy that a lot of people really believed in. And Milrow just kept on working and kept on working and kept on working and knew it was a competition, The all, and he won the job, at least for the opener. Nick Saban has been quick to say, you know, because you're the starter in the first game doesn't mean you're the starter for the entire year. But um feels like he's probably going to have to fail pretty dramatically to lose that job. Did you learn anything about Tennessee and their 49-13 win over Virginia? I didn't love no, it's it's over simplification because they did other things well, but I really didn't love what I saw from Joe Milton. I mean, it it did not look like they weren't missing a beat at quarterback after the departure of Hendon Hooker. He, he's still very talented, and he threw a really nice ball that was just dropped. I mean, just perfect pass, flick of the wrist, like sixty yards, and it was just dropped. Would have been a touchdown, but he's not consistent the way his predecessor was, or at least not in that game he wasn't. Stat line for Joe Milton, 21 of 30, 201 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked one time. Uh, He was not intercepted. He ran the ball nine times for 33 yards and had two touchdowns on the ground. I just can't help but wonder if part of that is they believe in their backs. Jerry Small, 13 carries for 67 yards. Jalen Wright went 12 for 115. Dylan Sampson went 13 for 52. And Tennessee really sputtered offensively when they got away from that run game early. Because that opening drive, I mean, they just gashed Virginia on the ground. So I, I, I need to see more, and I think Virginia is pretty bad. Like, maybe really bad. But I don't know. I was I was fairly impressed. I, I, thought, I thought we learned a little something about Tennessee's defense, though. That they looked big. And physical, they had four sacks in the game. They had 11 tackles for loss. And nobody with more than five tackles in the game. So they kind of spread it around. Uh, what did you learn about South Carolina and their 31-17 loss to North Carolina on Saturday night? If you can't win matchups up front, you can't win football games. And they can't do that right now. And like I said earlier in the show, that Mississippi State game is going to define their entire season because if they if they lose that they're going to be one and four after five, so that's that's going to be really really tough. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of must win is a relative term, of course, but South Carolina has to win that game, and if Mississippi State is going to be the team, especially record wise, that fans think that they are, you can't lose that game. Rattler's talented; he's good, but. I was shocked to see the the physical difference between South Carolina up front and North Carolina up front in that game. Truly shocked. And it, it, that score would have been a lot worse. I, I said earlier, Drake May threw two weird interceptions on back-to-back possessions as they were driving. Like, neither of them really made sense. Like, he, he was phenomenal until worse. it could have been a lot worse th- than it was had he not done that. He's great, though. Absent those two weird interceptions, he's special. In Texas A&M's 42-point win over New Mexico, what did you learn? I I gave you the stat earlier. Five touchdown passes for Connor Wegman, one more for Max Johnson. They had a third of the touchdown passes in game one that they had all of last season. Looked like Bobby Petrino's calling the plays. 
That's what it looks like. So if that's the case, that's a dangerous team. And I don't think there was ever any question that that was going to be the case against New Mexico. What happens right. when it doesn't happen like that? What, what do they do against Alabama? How conservative is the, is the game plan against Alabama? What about next week? Against Miami? Miami. Miami got a win. I think they won, what, 38-3 to in their opener? In front of tens of people. Tens of people. Uh, Evan Stewart had two touchdown receptions. Noah Thomas had three. Texas A&M's got a good 1-2-3 or maybe good 1-2-3-4 at wide receiver with Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad and now Noah Thomas emerging as well. They uh, they got some dudes that can uh, can catch the ball. And uh, Wegman was pretty efficient, 18-23 of for 236 with five touchdowns and no interceptions. What about Kentucky? 44-14 over Ball State. I told you earlier, Mark Stoops was not happy after that game. Did you learn anything about Kentucky and their win over Ball State? Nah, not really. I mean, they look good. You know, Leary looked okay, but they're playing a you know team that should have easily handled, and they did. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas fifty six thirteen over <laughs> Western Carolina. Did you learn anything about the Hogs from that game? No, I mean, you look at Sanders' numbers; they're kind of similar to Judkins, right? They didn't really need him, so they didn't really lean on him. You know, he'll have bigger days. Andrew Armstrong had five catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Wilson had three catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Isaac Tesla, I think, three for 66 and a touchdown. I mean, that's one of the things that we needed to know. Do they have anybody that can go get it? And they had a couple of guys that that flashed a little bit. What about Auburn? 59-14 over UMass. Learned anything? Nothing, really. A little little Maybe a little better than we thought, though. They, they, that, that was that was more yeah. than I expected from them. Yeah, had, had some receivers that popped. And anything from Vanderbilt and their win over Alabama A&M? Congrats on being 2-0. Uh, Auburn, I think, you're going to see a, kind of a <laughs> two-quarterback system there. Vanderbilt's got a freshman running back that's really good, Cedric Alexander. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you're looking for a new Ford F-150, now is the time, and I got the place. Belk Ford in Oxford on Highway 6 West. You've got Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota right there, side-by-side together on Highway 6 West. Right now, they have got a special going on Ford F-150s, depending on the model you choose, and uh, being approved for financing, up to $9,000 off a Ford F-150 XLT. It matters which trim package, but good savings that uh, you've got going there. Uh, a few of them on the lot that you can uh, can choose from, and if they don't have exactly what you're looking for, they will help you find it. Family-owned company, Ford dealerships since 1961. They're going to treat you like family. They're going to be really, really good to you. Not trying to shove something down your throat. They're going to get you into the vehicle that you're looking for at a price that you can afford. Great financing options available and up to $9,000 off on a Ford F-150 you want to check out their inventory, you can do so online at belkford.net, or you can give them a call, or 
Next time you're in Oxford, whether you live here permanently or you're coming in from Jackson or the coast or Hattiesburg or Memphis, wherever it is, stop by when you come into town and check them out at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota Highway 6 West in Oxford. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Uh, what do you say, and, and we want to do a little test drive. You can test drive a Ford F-150 at, at Belk Ford. Uh, let's test drive uh, some overreactions on a Monday. And if this uh, this works like we think it will, then uh, this might become a permanent fixture in our Monday shows. And if not, we'll just move on, but it's worth a try. Hey, Dad, give me a uh, – and, and nothing like nothing low-key. I want massive overreaction from week one games. Give me a massive overreaction. I'll start locally. I'll start here in Starkville. I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? You, you watch that game, and you walk away, and you tell me that Mike Wright shouldn't be the starting quarterback in Mississippi State. I mean, this is ridiculous. You finally got somebody back there who can run the football. Rodgers is killing you with his, his lack of mobility. You've got to put Mike Wright in. He's got to, I mean, he's got to get at least half the snaps, doesn't he? And they got to find a way to get him involved in the passing game. I don't like what they're doing with Will when Wright is in there. They're playing with 10 guys. They split him out wide and he's just standing there. And all it's going to take is one cornerback to say, hey, you know what? I got a free shot here. I think I'm going to take it. And what can you do? He's not the quarterback in that play. You're allowed to hit him. Mike Wright should be Mississippi State starting quarterback. Going forward, he gives you the best chance to win with his legs. Somebody understood the assignment. It's it's outstanding. And and by the way, we are prepared for the backlash that is going to come from the people that are only halfway listening to understand that yeah. we are giving you massive overreactions to yes. one yeah. game. Intentionally clipping. That I can't with wait. The purposes of trolling. Gonna gonna be on gonna be on on twenty four seven with. Hey, Dad said on the air he thinks Mike Wright should be the quarterback. Yeah. In in reality, though, uh, he needs a, a defined role in the offense for sure. He's too electric to to just give him sparing touches from time to time. Doesn't mean you you give him the job or anything, but uh, that dude needs the ball more than five times a game. Uh oh, somebody said this is gimmick infringement. I said, who's gimmick? And he said, overreaction Monday is a Pat McAfee show thing. Look, Pat McAfee is wildly successful. And uh, tip of the cap to Pat for being the only person on game day that picked Colorado to beat TCU on Saturday. Uh, I had no idea that this was a Pat McAfee show thing. I like Pat McAfee, but I have literally never listened to a moment of his show. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, overreaction Monday is what... Like everybody calls the Monday after an NFL weekend, like big market not, radio and NFL markets, they, that's what they call it. It's not a pat thing. Okay, uh, yeah. Borky, give me a massive overreaction. Uh, Texas is going to lose to Alabama by three touchdowns. I, I know that Ooh. they they both comfortably won their games, but you can't watch both of those and tell me that Alabama was not a lot more impressive. Uh, than that of Texas. Texas struggled running the football. You think you're going to go on the road in Tuscaloosa and, and run the way you did against Rice and have any success and win that game? No shot. I really liked what I saw in Alabama's dominance over Middle Tennessee. I know it's Middle Tennessee, but still, that game's going to get the hype and the game day and the pomp and circumstance and Barstool's doing a thing there and all that. And it's going to be one of those typical Alabama games that we've seen in years past where you spend an offseason talking about it, 
big marquee matchup, and midway through the second quarter, the game is not close. I didn't have to wait long, by the way. Dwayne and Brandon. Hey, Dad, slap yourself back into reality. Will is the senior quarterback. Dwayne! It's a massive overreaction segment. Now I'm going to overreact to your text. I got one for you. Go ahead. Go. Not only, not only is LSU not competing for a national championship at this point, not only is LSU not competing for the SEC West title, LSU yes. is now competing to finish above 500 in conference play in the SEC. Did you see that secondary get torched last it. night by Jordan Travis? Don't hate it. Did, did you see them get torched? Did they know what pass defense is in Baton Rouge? All right, all right. And, and not only are all they right. going to be fighting to finish above 500 in the SEC, Brian Kelly, you know how quickly that LSU fan base can turn. I don't care how big the buyout is. Hey, Dad tells you, they'll find the money. Brian Kelly may be coaching for his job before this season is over. Oh, my gosh. Hey, in the family. He Noah's Ark to cover that that massive mm. overreaction. Mm. Hey, Dad, Goodness you got another gracious. one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, South Carolina is going to finish no better than maybe sixth in the East. I mean, it starts up front, right? If you can't block anybody, what can you do? And then you've got Spencer Rattler, who, I mean, we I think we all sort of anointed Spencer Rattler because he played two good games last year. There's there's 12 games in a season. He played two good games, and we're all like, oh, they're going to be great. Once again, the curse of being the third-best team in the East has struck. They will be not good this year. They're going to be one and four at the end of this month. They'll probably lose to Clemson. They'll probably lose to, uh, to Kentucky. They, they're, they're going to have a losing season this year at South Carolina. Five and seven at best. Ooh, a losing season. I think so. I, I honestly not even overreacting. There's a chance that that happens. Ooh, a South Carolina team that finished eight and five last year. Won their last two against the Tennessee Vols and the Clemson Tigers. He said a losing season. Borky. Florida State's going undefeated and winning a national championship. Uh, too many people are making that game. <laughs> there we go. Let's just get it. Too many people are making that game about how LSU was bad. Man, Florida State, I know LSU, they, they got blown out three times last year, but that was the reigning SEC West champion, returning quarterback, bunch of weapons, bunch of players on defense. Brian Kelly, oh, oh, by the way, Brian Kelly's not an overrated football coach at all. Yeah, let's let's keep going there. Um, Florida State lined up and whooped LSU. There was nothing fluky about it. There, there was nothing but dominance from a top 10 team against a top 10 roster in the sport. At least that's what people think or thought about LSU going into it. Florida State's not losing again. That may not be that big an overreaction. Travis is going to win the I mean, quarterback's going to win the high. I mean, maybe not in the postseason, but for the regular season, for sure. They, they may go into How did nobody, back to reality for a second, how did nobody talk about him going into the season? 
was, I mean, Caleb Williams, Drake May, nobody talked about Travis at Florida State going into this well, season. We talked a little bit about the ACC and the incredible yeah. quarterback depth that's in that conference, but we definitely had Travis behind Drake May. Probably probably had him behind Klubnik a little bit, but Travis is good. That's a good football player. He's really good. I mean, I debated long and hard about making him in our preseason predictions. I debated long and hard about making him my Heisman Trophy winner. I ended up going with Joe Milton instead. I'm glad they don't hand out the Heisman after uh, after week one. Um, KJ Costello would have one if they did. Colorado is going to win seven games. Vegas had the number set at three and a half. And all Colorado did was go on the road to a team that played for a national championship a year ago. Ah, you caveat, caveat, caveat. They played for a national championship last year. TCU did. I watched it. They weren't very competitive in the game, but they played for it. Tom Luganville said it's the worst roster in all of college football. What's wrong? Do you not believe yet? Colorado's going to beat Nebraska at home in the best atmosphere at a game at Folsom Field in a long time. Long time. They're going to beat Colorado State to start 3-0. They're going to lose to Oregon. They're going to upset USC on September the 30th to get to 4-1. and They're going to beat Arizona State and Stanford. That's seven. I may be underselling them at seven wins. Colorado Buffaloes, 1-0 on their way to minimum seven wins in year one under Coach Prime. And he's keeping receipt. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. If you were... In the Grove or at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on Saturday, if you were at Davis-Wade or in the Junction pregame or any of the other tailgating areas on Mississippi State's campus and you were paying attention, my guess is you saw a bunch of genteel golf shirts. It is growing. It I did. It is growing. They look fantastic. For those of you who won in our 10 days of trivia last week, I will be sending that uh, that full list to uh, the folks at Genteel tomorrow, hopefully by the end of this week. You will, uh, you will have your shirts. Not the end of this week, sometime early next week. So those are on the way. Uh, congratulations to all the winners. Uh, you can check them out online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, again, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm trying to scroll through the, uh, the SEC stats, and Vanderbilt's really messing things up because they played two games and everybody else has played one game. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost like you have to throw them out um, of, the, uh, of the deal so far. Uh, in terms of scoring offense, why am I doing this? Yeah, there's no uh, – it, it, it makes no sense. It was week uh, one, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the answer is Ole Miss, right? They they're the only they scored 73 points. Yeah. 14 points yeah, per better, a game better than Auburn after one game. For one game, yeah. Uh, and then there's Florida who scored 11. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Gross. South Carolina scored 17. LSU scored 24 thanks to a late, meaningless touchdown against the third-team secondary of Florida State. 
Yeah. Good for them, though. They got to yeah. go home. All, uh, all they need is just Our Lady of the Lake to step up again, get them some players, and uh, and they'll be all right. Ole Miss and Mississippi State, part of a four-way tie for the number one scoring defense in the SEC alongside Georgia wow. and Alabama. Nobody shut anybody out. So no, nobody shut out. Okay. There are no shutouts. You had four teams. Don't tell me there's not parity in college football. Yeah, shout-out Kincaid Dent, the aforementioned former Ole Miss quarterback, keeping, uh, what are they, the Skyhawks? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. they are the Skyhawks. Putting them on the scoreboard. The uh, UT Martin Skyhawks. I'm glad this weekend is is behind us, though. We love football, and we got stuff, right? Like, as look, you look said. Look at him, hey, Dad. He's already wishing it. We've had one week, and he's already wishing it away. I'm so glad the first week is now in the rearview mirror. Yeah, don't I have mean, to worry about that anymore. Yeah, because it was Mercer, southeastern Louisiana, and with all due respect to Alcorn. All I mean, no, there was nothing exciting it about Mississippi was College football, football this weekend. Yeah, and it was bad football. And I love the I, I the, the importance of FCS games are lost on people, and I know most people don't care because who cares? Nobody cares. Well, a lot of people do. And, you know, Mercer needed that game this weekend. Southeastern Louisiana needed that game to keep their athletic department alive. I mean, they're so, important hey, games. To your point, and, and forgive me for, for railroading what you're saying, talked in great detail with Connell Maynard, who's the head coach at Alabama A&M. Their, their game against Vanderbilt was their bye game this year. Last year they played two bye games, and he said, here's why we did it. And then he outlined the things that they did for their football program with the money that they got from those getting new turf, replaced the pellets in the turf, new locker room, and there was one other, I think added a video board to, to their awesome. stadium. See? And they did that because they played two of those games where they got a big check last year. And so I'm one of the rare people that think these games need to stay. I think they need to be out of the rotation by the end of September, though. Late November FCS games are ridiculous. But point is, we finally get to put those behind us now here. We got Coach Prime, and South Carolina, North Carolina was interesting, and LSU, Florida State was great last night. But now we can actually watch the teams here and actually learn something, you know? Because Tulane's going to be a challenge for Ole Miss. I think their result against South Alabama is a little inflated. Now, you, you give a team credit for creating turnovers, but I mean South Alabama turned the football over five times in, what was it, five or six Tulane drives started in opposing territory? Kind of a result that was aided by mistakes. But still, a challenge. A team that you will learn things after... That game in Arizona is going to come into Mississippi State a better team than the one that State played last year. Delores a good quarterback. They have improved the roster. We will learn about Mississippi State, really learn about them for the first time this season. There's not much that happened last Saturday that we can really take away other than, well, that's how it was supposed to go. Tulane's scoring drives against South Alabama were three plays and 38 yards, 10 plays and 54 yards, resulting in a field goal. Uh, three plays, 75 yards. Two plays, 53 yards. Five plays, 75 yards. Seven plays, 31 yards field goal. Seven plays, 16 yards field goal. So, yeah, some, some short fields. And to their credit, they created turnovers, so you can't knock them for getting the ball when they got the ball because that's what you're supposed to do as a defense. And to his credit, Michael Pratt was 14 of 15. He's all, he's great. Yeah, really good player. Really good player. But you know what? They did not have a Ty J. Spears. 
They rushed for 142 yards as a team. Spears was a difference maker in the backfield for Tulane a year ago. So so let's spin it forward, right? We, we saw what happened in Starkville with Mississippi State's win over southeastern Louisiana. We saw what happened in Oxford with Ole Miss's win over Mercer. Spin it forward to this coming week. Obviously, tomorrow we'll start to dive into uh, the matchups. We'll hear what the coaches say about week one and also the upcoming games. But, hey, Dad, when you spin forward to Arizona next Saturday night on the SEC Network, what, 6.30 kickoff, um, playing exactly the way they played last week, in my mind, will not be good enough to beat Arizona. I think Mississippi State has to take a pretty big step forward in week two. Is that crazy to think that? Yeah. No, absolutely not. If State gets off to the kind of start against Arizona, they got it to against Southeast Louisiana, they could easily be down like 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And that might, that might be a situation where they could, if they, if you, what you just said, if they play the same game, right? If they play that strong second half, they might be able to come back and win, but it would be tight. They have to get out of the blocks faster on, on Saturday against Arizona. They can't, they can't afford to, to have a first quarter where they basically just throw everything away. Uh, they, they need to be sharp from the beginning. And then defensively, they're going to have to be very disciplined because, as you mentioned with Delore, he's a guy who can make things happen with his with his feet. Uh, and that was a problem last year. You know, he he got he got wide and would make some plays, but then he w- he was hesitant to run. He tried to make a play, throwing the ball too late, and he threw interceptions or he took sacks. This year, I get the feeling he's going to be he he's going to know that pressure is coming, and he's going to be looking to run early. And states have problems with mobile quarterbacks in the past, so we'll see what happens uh, with them this Saturday. So State won that game last year 39-17. to They were up 15-7 at the end of the first quarter. Arizona scored first in the game. State missed an extra point. Missed <laughs> two. Oh, that's right. They missed two extra points in the first quarter and then kicked a field goal. Um, yeah. Both teams kicked a field goal in the second quarter. Both teams scored a touchdown in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, State pulled away. They had a... Uh, a short field drive that resulted in a touchdown catch for Austin Williams and then a long drive uh, toward the end of the game where they, they just locked it up and won it 39-17. So last year, we we're talking about Jaden Delora. He was 23 of 45 for 220 with a touchdown and three interceptions. Mm. As a team, including sack yardage, Arizona ran it for 40 yards. Yeah. 40. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's where that game was won last year on First Mississippi State. They, they dominated the line of scrimmage. Uh, Arizona's offensive line was not cut out to block an SEC defensive line. And that game, remember, don't forget, Jaden Crumney didn't play in that game. State's best defensive lineman. He was injured the first eight weeks of the season. So it could have been a little bit worse for, for them. State needs to have that same kind of advantage this, this time yeah. out. And if they do, they should be fine. And Will Rogers played well. He was 39 of 48 for 313 yards with four touchdowns, picked off one time. State had 106 yards rushing in that game. It was split between Dylan Johnson and Woody Marks. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think the uh, the run pass ratio against Arizona will be comparable to what it was against Southeastern Louisiana this past Saturday? Because they ran it 39 times and threw it. What was it? 29. Yeah, maybe a few more passes because you know you get to the end of the game where you're up big and you're just running the football. 
and you're not, it's, it's, you know, that, that, that won't be the case in this one. I think it'll be a little closer throughout. So maybe a few more passes, maybe closer to 35 passes for, for Rodgers at 35 runs, something like that. That would be – State would like to be balanced, and, and balanced in the true sense of the word, not the Mike Leach, I can do what I want, that's balance, sense of the word. Yeah. Will, uh, will Mike Wright throw the football on Saturday? I think so. I think they, they didn't throw him on purpose. They just they wanted to get him on film. You see he's out there, he can run the ball. Now they'll set up some play they'll try to set up a play action play for him. Maybe especially on the goal line they give you the old, you know, jump pass look. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will uh, come back and wrap things up with you. We'll kind of spin it forward with Ole Miss looking ahead to that two lane game coming up on Saturday in New Orleans. Should be a good atmosphere. I, I think it's gonna be full. I don't know if it's completely sold out. If not, it's pretty close, and tickets are fairly high on the secondary market. Uh, small stadium, but uh, cool cool venue as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, one last time after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Just a few friends. Just a few Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Last time Ole Miss and Tulane played was the 2021 season. It was game three of that year, and Ole Miss just throttled them. It was uh, 61-21 was the final, and a lot of that was in the third quarter. Ole Miss outscored them 21-0 in the third quarter. That was all the points for the for the second half of the game. Matt Corral threw for 335 yards and three touchdowns. Pratt threw for 166 and a couple of touchdowns in that ball game. Um, I think there was it was delayed at the start because of rain. Does that sound right? It monsooned that day. Yes, it did. It uh, it was heavy rain. So two very different teams. Yeah. That Tulane team was riddled with injuries. You remember the week before they had gone to Oklahoma and nearly pulled off the upset in week one. And a lot of people are like, whew, Ole Miss got its hands full in uh, in this one. And I guess it was week two, or maybe it was week two. I, I, I don't remember the, the details on what when that happened for Tulane. But um feels like this year will be different. That Tulane team was healthy last year. They grew up a lot. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. They got a ton of confidence, and they're getting this game at, at their home stadium. So, question, kind of ask about Mississippi State, how they played versus C-Law versus how they play against Arizona. If Ole Miss is able to come out and play the way they did against Mercer, against Tulane, then this one will be over fast. But the level of competition is... I mean, th- there was nobody that you saw on Mercer on the field that looked like they could come close to competing with anybody that they were lined up across. Line of scrimmage, linebackers dealing with running backs, safeties or corners dealing with receivers. It was just mismatch all over the field. That's going to be less the case. Ole Miss has a more talented roster than Tulane has. 
Very but much. Tulane's so. got got plenty of talent on the roster. And experienced quarterbacks can can take you a long way. I think that's yeah. the key, right? I mean, it's darts comfort, and if that continues, but can you get after the quarterback? Can you rush the passer? Because you know Cedric Johnson's healthy, but they, they did some things with him that wasn't just put your hand in the dirt and, and go get the quarterback. Maybe they do that this week. They were trying some things out with him, trying to get him to play in space a little bit. But you haven't seen yet if they have the ability to do that. Whether it's you know maybe they have to bring an extra rusher through the linebacker or whatever we just we didn't get to see that because it was Mercer and they didn't have to do anything creative or complex and they didn't even have to play their starters very long. So that's what I'm going to be paying the most attention to is Ole Miss in the front six and generating pressure on the quarterback because if you can't do that this weekend in New Orleans, you're gonna be able to do that when LSU comes to town. Because now you, you you look at that game, it's like, oh, that's probably winnable. But if you're not if you're not generating pass rush and getting to Michael Pratt, then are you generating pass rush and getting to Daniels? Probably not. So we'll learn a lot. At least I think we will. And 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 it kind of feels like that's the key for Ole Miss, right? I mean, you, you feel like the Ole Miss offense is going to score, like they they just are. This is a this is a good offense. They got some weapons at receiver. They got the best running back in the SEC. It, it feels like they're going to put points on the board. And so, is this a shootout, or does Ole Miss make Michael Pratt uncomfortable to the point that he's seeing ghosts in the secondary, that he's inaccurate, that he's rattled? I think he's a guy that's really hard to rattle because he's seen Probably. just about everything, and he plays tough. Like, he, he gets hit big, and he just gets up and keeps getting up. So, uh, more on that game as we uh, we roll through the week. We've got one la- last game during uh, this opening weekend. Clemson is a 12-point favorite at Duke. Mike Elko starting his second year. Cade Klubnick, the starter now for uh, for Clemson. It's a, it's a pretty darn good quarterback matchup when uh, when you look at, at what Duke brings in. Um on the Clemson side, you're talking about Cade Klubnick, but Will Shipley is such a good running back. Yeah. Really, really good. They got a couple of All American defensive players, one at linebacker, one at defensive tackle. But Riley Leonard was good last year as the quarterback for Duke. Hey, Dad, is 12 points too many tonight? Now that I know that it's at Duke. Yeah. No. I think they win by two touchdowns, so no. Okay. Hmm. We'll see. It's, uh, it's the second conference game for ACC teams this week. Look for a long time like Georgia Tech was going to get uh, off to a 1-0 start until they just got demolished in the second half, and it's Louisville. Hey, Dad and I. Exchange some text messages on Friday night about Louisville. I wasn't sure if they were, they were good be. or not for a minute there. Yeah, yeah, uh, had, a, had a nice comeback. So Duke and Clemson coming up at seven o'clock. The game's on ESPN tonight at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham. It'll be a fun way to wrap up the opening weekend of the college football season. Thanks for being with us. Tomorrow we'll have lines for all the games that are happening this upcoming week. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin, Zach Arnett, Will Hall, and a whole lot more. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.